this is the Rel and Friends recap. The week before Christmas is going to be a little bit different. I got John Reyes on here. You want to introduce yourself? My name is John Reyes. I am a podcast producer, event producer, music producer. I like produce. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, and also the uh, producer behind the scenes of this podcast, mostly in post, but just yeah. making sure everything gets out on time. Yeah, yeah, word. So you may have seen the name if you watch the clips. This is the podcast producer extraordinaire. And we're just going to do a recap. So you're going to hear a lot of John today. He's going to help get the information out of me because we don't have a script today. We're just kind of off the cuff. Let's get into it. Man, as of this recording, we are about six episodes in. And I know you explain this at the top of every episode, but if we could go into your intentions behind this project, what was the spark where you were like, oh, I got to get this off the ground? Yeah. So Rel and Friends is a podcast idea that I had actually back in 2020 during the pandemic. I had a rough pandemic, man. It was like just feeling isolated. I was uh, at a job that like I was not happy at. Workload was crazy. We just had our second kid at home and, you know, it was rough. And then like, you know, my wife is going through her issues at work. And then I left my job and I was just like, man, I need something. I need to catch up with some friends. I haven't seen anyone in a while and just network and just talk things through. And Tomas was one of the first people that I talked to. I had more conversations with people and I was like, man, I'm gaining so much insight and information, like just from the homies, like it would be dope to just turn this to a podcast and share it, you know? And I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time too, but I was newly unemployed uh, and I launched my business. Fortunately, business took off pretty well. So I hit the ground running with my new business and then I had to like, you know, tend to that. So Rental Friends had to be put on hold, still had a lot of cool conversations, but finally like the homie Roland told me that you produce podcasts. He was out here in New York for my birthday and he's like, dude, John Reyes makes podcasts. I was like, oh yeah, because I remember the one you did with King Moe's yeah. and I used to love that one about the DJ world yes. and you know, like, dude, 90% of my friends are DJs, you know, just from my history of throwing parties in the Bay. But yeah, he told me you make podcasts. I was like, dude, let me get the conversation started. And then, man, it just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? We started scheduling like interviews. Tomas was the first one because he was kind of like the first person that put the idea in my head just from like in inspirational conversations he had with me and like the changes in my life I saw after that conversation. So people love it so far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What drew you to the forum? So the podcasts I listen to are mostly hip hop podcasts. It's just more long form discussional content. That's what I was like really into. A lot of the creative podcasts, I don't even remember the names, but they were cool, but they didn't speak to me. You know what I mean? The thing I love about podcasts is they usually feel like you're hanging out with them. You're just kind of like a fly on the wall in a conversation. But a lot of the creative focused ones, it feels like a room that I wouldn't even want to be in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, who are these people, man? So like, it's a mix between the hip hop podcast that I listen to, but with real people that I hang with. Like people usually that were inspired by hip hop that were around the community growing up. So it's a mixture of those two things. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I also dive into a lot of hip hop podcasts, but I also love podcasts by people in media. 
like Mary H.K. Choi had a podcast called Hey Cool Job, which is very similar to this. She was kind of using it as an excuse to interview her friends, but about their jobs. And we talk about coming from the party scene. I can definitely empathize with that. I actually saw a tweet yesterday where it talks about, yeah, a lot of my nightlife friends are just like, we're cosplay homies. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, totally. It's almost distasteful to talk about what you do during the day when yeah. you're at the party, right? Like, yeah, I guess that's a Bay Area thing, I think. Because like, you think so? yeah. yeah, like in New York, when I first moved out here, the first thing like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Or that guy is the blah, blah, blah at blah, blah, blah. And this guy is the blah, blah, blah at blah, blah, blah. Like, and maybe it's just the community I was around in the Bay. But like in the Bay, it was never about that. It was usually like, ah, oh, that dude, he's a dope photographer. And this guy's a DJ and he throws dope parties. You know what I mean? Like it was more like curators and creatives. It's like that out here too, but it's mostly behind a big name or something like that. From the parties that I've been to out here, that's the way it usually was. So I think that's what makes the approach to the podcast very interesting because you allow the guests to identify themselves, mm-hmm. right? So as much as we're typing in the show notes and during the introductions that they're this of so-and-so, your first question allows the guests to introduce themselves however they please, you know? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I-, I want the answer that they would give to like a friend introducing them to a friend. Like, do you say... You know, I do marketing at blah, blah, blah. Or do you say, like, I make beats? You know what I mean? Like, and I want to be the guy where you say, like, man, I make beats. You know what I mean? Like, so so tell me that first. And then let's dive into, like, what do you do for money? You know what I mean? Because that's the part I really care about is, like, what's your passion? And a lot of times, like, I think people at my age, like, in my community and people I've been around, they've been able to make their passion, their careers to some level. You know what I mean? Or they figured out a way to balance both, you know? So yeah, it's, it's just a little bit like of a, a more professional level that everyone's at now. And a lot of times people do a bunch of things, you know, especially nowadays. Nowadays, if you're a photographer, you're most likely a videographer too. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like that before. And then a lot of times, if you're an animator now, you're also a graphic designer. You know what I mean? A lot of the like creatives are blurred now. The lines are blurring. So yeah, that's why I let people identify it themselves yeah we can thank donald glover for that for making multi-hyphenate school oh my god he's the king of it (laughs) okay so let me ask you in 2023 how would rel identify himself like what is your passion i usually say cinematographer Mm. cinema photographer kind of encapsulates everything that i do like to some people i'm an editor some people i'm a videographer those are the two skills that kind of stand out when people want to hire me for something It takes those two things, but it's also like you're wearing a director's hat. You're wearing like a director of photographer's hat, DP. You're doing sound design. You're like managing a team. The only thing is I just do it all. (laughs) Like I do all those little things. So I could fill multiple roles. So I just say cinematographer. It's like DJ Khaled to a hip hop song. You know what I mean? Like you can put all the pieces together. Professionally, I do art of storytelling where... I am the cinematographer for client work. So a lot of times it is doing these short documentary style films. And then I do fill a lot of roles there as well, but I also do hire out. So I may hire out a DP. I will hire out an editor, but then I'm still in that cinematographer role. Sometimes I'll be the editor. Like a lot of times I'm really the one finishing the edit at the very least. But yeah, I would say cinematographer. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where did you learn how to do this all of my experiences have really gotten me the knowledge that i have to be able to 
run my own media company and feel like I'm at a place where I can like provide knowledge on a podcast. You know, my early experience as doing distortion and static, that is where I sharpened my sword. You know what I mean? Like I went to SF State for video production. But I was still, you know, you look at my college projects. They look like college projects. You know what I mean? It's just like real low budget. And that's what D2Us was at first. It's just, I mean, it was a pretty low budget show. But like, you know, it was a bunch of guys just running around with a camera. At first, we had no mic. We're just like in people's face, like freestyle, you know, like but top five MCs go. You know what I mean? But through doing that and having that weekly deadline, like we learned how to crank it out. We got better. We educated us ourselves on the equipment and this is before youtube so like we had to figure it out as we went and then for me like i think that's where my editing skill really came in because i was cranking them out man i was editing the show too so like i had to meet that weekly deadline so i had to figure out how to edit fast when i moved to new york i was making beats at the time too i put down the beats like i kind of had a revelation or a conversation with myself and i was just like man like I was about to get married and I was just like, I was not there professionally where I wanted to be. I was like, my dream was always to be a creative director. You want to make beats? Do you want to be this beat maker guy? Or do you want to get that creative director position? Like, do you want to get paid or do you want to keep pushing for the beats? Because it was hard. I was getting some little placements in New York, you know what I mean? Like meeting MCs. But it was just like, dude, I need to chase that creative director position because I'm, I'm not getting any younger, you know? So... I went for it at the company I was at, and I basically kind of created that position. It was a position that didn't exist, and through my video work, I was able to, like, navigate that. And it was really through some allies in the company, and I'm going to have them on the podcast eventually because, like, I owe them, man. But, yeah, I, I became creative director of video specifically, and then that's really where I got my video strategy hat I was really close with the vice president over there at the time, and he had a long media, broadcast media experience, and he was really well-versed in the internet. Like, this is early internet video and early podcasting. This is like 06, like when he was really jumping in there. So I soaked up all that knowledge, and when I gave up beats and I was just like, go all in with video, that's when I like really started getting in my DP bag. So I was watching all the videos, the best cameras, like learning the best movements, and really focusing on that aspect of it so then those three things like the strategy the the post-production and like those three things are what made art of storytelling basically mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm, I mean? mm -hmm. yeah the idea of creating your own position is really interesting to me because that requires a little bit of selling yourself mm -hmm. you know do you have any advice for younger creators on how to package themselves how to look at their own skills and be like oh this is how it could translate into work yeah i can only talk about how i did it and especially in a corporate environment, I'm not the guy that's good at playing the corporate politics. Like, you know, in a big company, there is a lot of that. And there's people that are really good at that. And a lot of times, those are the people that get the promotions, get the raises, get to those high positions. You know what I mean? That are really good at like schmoozing with the higher ups and, you know, they speak the language and stuff. You know what I mean? The way I always led was by example, like by proving myself through the work. When I was at, I didn't like to play the politics. I didn't like to play the games. And I wasn't getting those promotions. Like, I wasn't being seen for these next positions. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to prove it. And I got to admit, on my end, like, up until that point, I was just doing a job. You know, I was just, like, trying to clock out, go home, and do my passion work. You know what I mean? And then, like I said, when I put down the beats, I was just like, 
dude, I have an opportunity here. Like if you're ever going to become a creative director, try to do it here. How can you do it here? Because no one else is going to hire me out of nowhere as a creative director, you know? So I just started making tons of ideas, just dropping tons of like video ideas when I was out here in New York. And then the right eyes started seeing it. There was like a big push for a shift in video. And then a couple of folks kind of just nudged the VP and was just like, you got to look at his stuff. You know what I mean? And then I started having conversations and then he asked me what I want to do. And I said, like, I've always dreamt of being a creative director. And he's like, let's create it. You know what I mean? It was the first like big thing that I manifested that actually came to fruition. And I was just like, oh shit, that's crazy. Like I made that happen, you know? And then like I experienced a whole lot of imposter syndrome, but eventually overcame that and did a, a good amount of time doing that, man. Yeah, it's crazy. That's my, that's my that's New amazing. York life. And a lot of Bay Area yeah. movies don't know about that. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it was a big turning point in like my professional career for sure. When I moved to this current company, I was creative director. And the combination of being in an entirely new company and understanding their culture and how they worked and then being in a director role was like humongous. Every meeting I sat in, I was like, should I be here? Who is the adult in the room? Oh, it's me. I'm the adult in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone's I'm looking at you for the answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, I've been pretty lucky in that like I've had my current boss He's super great. I can be very, very candid with him about these feelings and be like, yeah, you know, I'm still feeling like I'm trying to understand all these things. We had a book club together. We read books about leadership and he's always been super supportive. And on top of that, I think as I built up a rapport with my team and my other coworkers, just understanding that I wasn't just hired as a, like a culture fit. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I was hired for a reason. But I think as a woman in this space, and especially because this is like tech or tech adjacent, I guess, I think it's always something in the forefront of my mind. Like I'll be in meetings with vendors or clients and stuff like that and just be like, oh, I'm the expert. Like, <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean? Just have to remind myself that that's a thing. Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. How did you get over imposter syndrome? Man, the conversation with Cheryl, I felt that a lot because a lot of her method of just kind of like saying to yourself, like, you're here for a reason. You know, they chose you to bring your expertise. Like a lot of that went through my mind. And I'm a person that likes to play the back role. I don't like to put myself out there as an expert. You know what I mean? Because I really don't feel like I'm an expert, but I'm surrounded by experts. So like I'm good at cultivating a bunch of experts for one massive goal. But it was a lot of that way of thinking. Like you got to really put some ego behind it and be like, there's a reason why people put you in that position and people that were once your peers are now your direct reports and there's going to be a lot of pushback i experienced so much pushback especially by the folks that were like more senior than me like age-wise that had been in the game for a long time there was so much pushback you know people like missing our one-on-one -on -one meetings and not even like letting me know you know like calling in sick not hitting me up you know what i mean like missing deadlines and not communicating with me it's a lot of that so that fed the imposter syndrome too, man. But like, I just got it in my mind eventually that I know I'm good at this. Like, I know I'm good at this. I'm not a cocky person, but I could say wholeheartedly that I am really good at this because that's all I do. Like, I'm a weird guy. I don't follow pop culture. I don't really watch too much TV or movies. Like, all I do is make video, man, and watch a bunch of YouTube videos and listen to podcasts. Like, that's all I do. So, like, I know I'm good at it because I put so much time into it. So, like, you can't tell me anything. That's the consistent advice I've heard about imposter syndrome. 
because I mean, I suffer from it. I think everyone does too, but all the podcasts I've listened to, the podcasts we've made, like the consistent advice is the biggest way to overcome that imposter syndrome is surround yourself with work. Yeah. And once you do that, once you have those experiences, once you take proactive steps to keep learning, then nobody can tell you shit. Yeah. You, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. you just got to prove yourself. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm the Drake of this, man. Like you just can't deny it. You could hate at first, but you can't deny it, man. <laughs> I bring those hits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's about on a 10-year run now. Is it yeah. maybe longer, 15? Yeah, crazy. I was in this meeting yesterday, actually, and we were all sharing our Spotify wrap-ups, and I was so embarrassed to say that my number one was Drake, man. <laughs> I, I had to let him know. I was like, it's Drake. But someone else was Taylor Swift, so I didn't feel as bad. You know, this is a thread. I'm big on loose threads, and this is kind of a detour I want to take. Wait, so you listen to him for motivation? Is this like, <laughs> what environment are you consuming, Aubrey Grimm? Uh, okay, that's so... A, also, that's a weird way to put it, but you know. <laughs> Man, so Drake is that artist that you could just put on as good background music and there's great vibes going on. You know what I mean? Like, I like the turn-up Drake. So it's a lot of the party Drake. And then I also have a dance music Drake playlist that I follow. So it's more of the dancey vibes. And that's why he's like number one on my place. And I think that's his strategy too. He makes a lot of different type of genres yeah. uh, to fulfill that. So, but it worked. Yeah, it worked. I mean, he's kind of that, what we were talking about earlier, that multi-hyphenate. Mm -hmm. He's not just a uh -huh. videographer. He's yeah, a photographer. Yeah, yeah. He's all the roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got to get Drake on here. Yeah, you know, I'll hit him up. I'll talk to his people. You know, what's funny is like you're talking about revealing things to the homies. This might be the uh, pull quote. This might be. <laughs> it's all right, man. Whatever. If I we, thought uh... I knew Rel. <laughs> he listens to Drake. Yeah. It's replay value, too. Like, yeah, I listen to a lot of music, but I don't go back to a lot of it, man. I'll listen to it once and be like, oh, that was cool put a playlist back on you know what i mean yeah it used to be lo-fi before it was drake it was lo-fi but yeah drake replaced my lo-fi playlist i think that's a better <laughs> it's a better switch. way of describing it yeah. yeah no i mean i think that's a better, oh, a better that's switch a wise switch mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah 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 i think a lot of people misunderstand how hard it is to make popular things yeah you yeah, know like i mean it's a lot easier to make niche content but mm -hmm. like to do what drake's doing where like not everyone loves it, but everyone can, uh -huh. you know, vibe with it. Like everyone everybody gets it. has like a handful of Drake songs that they love. You can't deny it, man. Like if you're the underground hip hop head, there's probably like five Drake songs you could name. If, you, yeah. if you're into just turn up party stuff, there's five you can. If you're some drill, there's some drill Drake you can listen to. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, you, like uh, some world or uh, Afro beat sounding. There's, you can find it, man. Yeah. 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 So, talented guy. Yeah. Shout out Drake, man. <laughs> yeah. Bringing it back to the work. How would you describe your visual aesthetic? What makes a project a real project? Mm, that's a good question. Like when you look at the videos that I make, there's definitely a look and feel to it. I think a lot of my beat making background and just my community of DJs that I know really plays into the pacing of how I edit. Even these little clips that I drop on social media for this podcast, like 
it's a vibe, man. Like the way the beats drop in, like the different type of music that play. Like when people are telling different stories, I'll let the beat rock for a little bit and then I'll come down. Like that's me learning from my DJ friends. You know what I mean? Like the peaks and valleys. Like you bring them up here and then you have them chill. That's just, this is when you get a drink. Just listen for a little bit. And then like, oh shit, it's cracking again. You know what I mean? Like that's how I edit. You know, that's how I storytell is a lot of that. And looking up to like Hype Williams and different music videos. So that's where like a lot of my shooting style comes from. Like if you look at the old D2S interviews, it was all handheld. Like we had the fisheye lens because that's what we were trying to be like Young TV raps. You know what I mean? And a lot of that aesthetic stayed with me. I'm not doing like the sideways angles anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> I finally put that down. But, you know, like I love the wide angle look, the making everything look big, like how Hype Williams did, like belly look. You know what I mean? So a lot of how I shoot is that it's hip hop, man. Like hip hop is my number one influence on everything I do. It sounds cheesy, but like it's true. You know what I mean? That's what I grew up to. Yeah. One question I always ask folks when they hit me up, like, hey, you know, need some video work for this and that. I'm always like, what work did you see of mine that interests you? Like, what work of mine did you like? Or, it's obviously not a way to stoke my own ego, but it's like, if someone's like, oh, well, I just need a videographer, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's other people. But if someone's like, I like what you did here because it had this feeling, then it's like, I know they're in the right place. Have you seen that same thing in your work where clients are coming to you specifically, not just as someone for hire, but they're hiring you for your aesthetic? Yeah. So I have to say this year has been a super productive year and I've made some of the best work I've ever made this year and it'll be public soon, but there's a lot of documentary work, a lot of stuff that really shows that I know what I'm doing in storytelling and it really showcases my style. But early in the year, I did this project for East Palo Alto Archive. It's working through Idea to Form. And it was a short documentary film that Halo directed, IDP'd and edited. And through that film, it was showcased in East Palo Alto. And a, a lot of other folks saw that, which led to landing another film in the environmental equity space. And then that film dropped early this year. And then that led to the series that I'm working on right now, which is also in the environmental equity space. And that's a series of six videos. So like that little progression all happened in the span of this year, you know, and it's all the same sort of project, doing powerful storytelling stuff. I was traveling like crazy, like in the beginning and the middle of the year. And then like the second half of the year has been mostly like post-production. We're going to finish that contract in early 2024. And then, yeah, and then I mentioned on the first podcast, I'm working with a company called Paraffin and we're finishing that up as well. So. Yeah, it's kind of like a chain reaction, man. Like more I see it and then they enjoy it and they reach out to the contact on the credits. And yeah, it's really been a lot of word of mouth, but it's also been just my network I've had over the years. And just like, I've always been known as the video dude, you know what I mean? So like people hit me up whenever their company needs something. And I think just me being able to like constantly showcase like new stuff that I've done. I've been pretty good with my LinkedIn. Like I always push stuff that I do on there. And I think people see it. So my work is freshly on their mind because I'm just constantly pushing stuff out on there. Yeah. 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 It's always important to be top of mind with people. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to get a lot of people on the podcast that express the importance of 
staying at the top of people's email inboxes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you know, the cool thing about the podcast is that it's kind of accomplishing that as well. Cause now I'm dropping content every week. You know what I mean? And it's not only me showing like, look, this is the stuff we think about at Art of Storytelling, but also these are our collaborators. Like everyone you're talking to, these are the guys that we would work on a project for you. You know, like, you know, Tomas, you need someone that's an expert in like nonprofit and like, you know, uh, like at service for community. Like I got the expert for that. You know what I mean? Like, and you'll see, oh, as more and more come out, like the network is strong, man. Like we got a strong community, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny when you're talking about the domino effect of your career, kind of reminds me of a certain young Canadian rapper <laughs> who just put out a mixtape and then the next year he's on every feature. So yeah, 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 yeah. the parallel is strong, man. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But I would like to talk about network, right? Because uh-huh. that's something that it's super important as a creative. How do you build a network, you know, without feeling uh-huh. gross? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And it does feel gross, man. It does feel gross. Like it feels gross when I feel like someone's doing that to me. You yes. know, when it's just yes. like someone just like out of nowhere giving me their card and it's like no authenticity behind it. I, I don't like that. I think through the years, like people say like nothing good comes out of going to the club, but I think my career proves the exact opposite, man. Everything that I've done is a result of probably some parties that I did and distortion of static, but really distortion of static, we did a lot of parties too. So a lot of the times when people want to talk to me, they come to a party that we're doing, you know what I mean? So a lot of business happened at the club throughout the years, man. And then meeting people casually and then getting to know them on social media. And then eventually like, oh, now you're a creative director at this big company and you guys are looking for video. Okay. Okay. Let's talk. You know what I mean? It really started in college, hanging out with like-minded people, never like cool guying someone, you know what I mean? Never being like, the guy that'll shun people just because they're not as fly or you know what I mean? Like a lot of the dumb stuff that separates people when you're younger. Like, fortunately, I didn't really do too much of that. You know, like I had a little bit of cool guy in me back then, but I was always like cool with everybody. Like I loved getting to know the outcast. And in a way, I kind of was an outcast like in high school and stuff. So like I vibe with that. You know what I mean? And I'm just a person that's like genuinely interested. Like my life passion is just to hear and tell stories. Like really, like no matter who it is, like when I have a conversation and someone is talking to me about their story, I listen. And a lot of people like enjoy that because a lot of times people just want to be heard. You know what I mean? So, and that's gotten me a long way. Like just being a guy that you can vibe with, you know what I'm saying? And never being too cool for anybody. When you have the camera, they're more vulnerable. People need to be heard and want to be heard. And I didn't realize that a lot of these people I was interviewing had never been asked about these questions or asked about these perspectives. But the curiosity led to them wanting to share out, you know, whatever they wanted to say. And I realized there was a lot of value in that because people were saying stuff that still affected me and changed my life, you know what I'm saying? So when I realized that the camera allows for vulnerability from other people, I was like, okay, I like this. How can I continue to apply it? I've always loved podcasts, but once I started making them, I realized that it was an excuse to have a conversation with people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to capture that it's very special. Like there's an intimacy to it. Yeah. There's an intimacy to audio only. It's oral history, right? This yep. is the root of it, right? Yep, yep, um, yep, yep, yep. The human experience. Yeah. Like the little clips that we drop 
that's meant for social media. Like when you want to hear these authentic stories, like just keep it audio, man, like really sit down with it. It's meant for that audience, it's meant for an audience that like can just chill and listen to a conversation. It reminds me a lot of, like I said, like hanging out with folks, but as a videographer, I do a lot of that, you know, cause I do a lot of like documentary style shooting. And I used to do like recap videos. I used to shoot for Static Select out here. He had a radio show at Shade 4 or 5 and I would just film interviews in there. And I loved it, man. Like early Travis Scott interviews and just sitting there with the camera and just getting static and Travis Scott, like just conversating, you know what I mean? That's a whole other thing that I have tons of footage, like early Joey Badass and West Side Gun and like all those folks like early on coming through there. Like, and that's what podcasts make me feel like. I'm just kind of like sitting there with a the camera, just listening, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just capturing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a special medium. Is there anything that you do in a practical sense that keeps you curious? I go in waves. So like when I get into something, it's all I do. Like recently I've been into like buying art, which is a very expensive habit, but like I got extremely obsessed with it. And I mean, shout out to Roland and Ryan. Like we've been in these art auctions and I'll be like giving my kids a bath and like bidding on art at the same time. You know what I mean? But yeah, when I get into something, I get all into it. With video specifically, like I'll go through those waves and I'll just be like, I'm going to dive into sound the next few days. It's something you have to regularly do. But the overall process, I do get jaded sometimes. And I think that's why it's important to have young energy around you. And that's what, kind of what Darius has done like this past year, because being on the road with him and, and like his passion, how excited he is to show up to a location and you know, like grabbing the camera, like figuring out new things and like the way he like navigates the menus. Like, I, like I'm totally like the old guy, like, can you set the time on my VCR? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know my way through the menus and stuff. And he's just like, oh, 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 here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You know, being around that energy gets me excited to learn again. And also kind of a little bit like, I can't let this guy show me up, man. Like, I, I, yeah, I got to show him what I know, you know what I mean? Like, like I got to show him how I do things. So it's a little bit of that. And then just like seeking like who the best at it is, just like looking for the next thing. It's weird to say, but there's not a lot that inspires me anymore in, in terms of like music or films. It kind of sucks, but <laughs> there's like I'm looking for the next thing that I could just dive into, but it's been a while. Surrounding yourself with young energy is super important. I saw Plus, uh, C Plus, oh. our mutual homie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he asked me, how does it feel to be the OG? And I was just like, Crazy. damn. <laughs> but it was a trip because, you know, like we're, as we evolve, we have to redefine our roles. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Consider what it means to be a mentor in the space, a veteran in the space. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why I look up to like folks like Ben, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. in our DJ group chats, we have a running joke of mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. Ah, sick. Because he's very much the kuya to a lot of these younger mm -hmm. DJs, a lot of DJs that started their careers during the pandemic. He is kind of that figure where maybe they're not asking directly how to do it, but they're just taking notes on how sure. he's moving. And I think it hit me a little bit recently that like, oh, wow, you know, people are taking notes on how I move too. Do you mm -hmm. notice that so, with a lot of the younger people that you work with? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like. I've been in a leadership role for a long time. And like I said, I just kind of always led by example. I think Ben does a lot of that too. And those that want to absorb it, they absorb it. Those that don't care, they don't absorb it. You know what I mean? And they just do their own thing. But like to add into that, like becoming that OG. And it's really important to just acknowledge that, first of all, that, you know, you are that OG to them, whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? And you do have a responsibility in this 
to pass down the knowledge. I mean, you don't have to, but like, you know, why not, man? Like, I'm going to pour everything I know into whoever wants to know it. I mean, that's a lot of reason why I did this podcast. Whoever wants to like learn what I've learned, learn from the community. It's here now. It's documented. Like, just go to any podcast and you'll soak up a little bit of knowledge. But then like the bigger vision is to cultivate a community that will help raise the next generation. But I really want to make it a little bit more tangible. So like whether that's doing like physical events in the future, even virtual events or something and figure out what collaboration looks like and what we could do together to educate folks that want to learn. And then after that, elevate and continue and get better. You know what I mean? So, so you really just realizing that, that your role and not trying to be the, the old guy still being young. You know what I mean? You have to realize like you are the OG, act like the OG, because these guys are looking at you for knowledge. And if you're just trying to act like them, like, yeah, you're just looking dumb. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> you're kind of looking goofy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So one of the questions on the podcast you ask toward the end of every episode is AI. Mm. fear it or embrace it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are your personal thoughts on ai i like it i like ai so early this year actually i was contracting with an ai company called augie it's using ai for video editing and i did a couple of uh more like influencer style videos but check it out augie like you, you go to their website you'll see a video of me like a little skit that i did for them but it's dope and i definitely don't fear it i don't fear it i see it as a tool to get you further, but I don't use it regularly right now. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's at the place where it's gonna replace any video editors. And I don't use the generative AI for anything because of the whole AI look, you know? But ChatGPT, I'm into it. You know, I've used it to help outline scripts for me. Like the hardest part with writing for me is getting started. So ChatGPT has been a great starting point. And then from there, I'll just, I'll tweak it and put it in my voice and stuff like that. So it's cool. I'm not fearing it yet. I think with every new technology, there's always like a new hot technology that everyone talks about that everyone gets scared of. Like it was just VR not too long ago. Like everyone thought we'd be living in virtual worlds and maybe some people are, I don't know. You know, I mean, if we can get weird, I think AI helps us get to VR world. <laughs> Whoa. Dude, you just blew my mind. That's crazy. AI in the VR world. Well, because what keeps us from getting the VR world is, you know, we don't like there's not enough humans to build the VR world, right? So oh. if you can accelerate your process with AI, that's what the exponential Dude, that Shift. that's when it gets scary. Yeah. Like seeing a world created by AI. Yeah, the metaverse. I mean, is that's going to be an it? AI. I, I don't know because I'm not like doing the reading on it, but like it seems logical, right? Like, yes, the metaverse can only be created by things that have the bandwidth and what yeah. has the bandwidth is AI and they mm -hmm. have the, the knowledge mm -hmm. and the bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we'll be tweeting from the x-verse <laughs> <laughs> damn man you really blew it. i'm kind of scared now actually you know i'm kind of scared <laughs> a real-time paradigm shift yeah for sure <laughs> i am the same i use chat gpt to help with like yeah the getting started part i like it for giving structure Mm -hmm. So for my niece's birthday, I, I wrote a comic book. I, I drew That's a comic sick. book for her. No, but no. I was able to use ChatGPT to 
give me a story structure nice. where I could just fill in and maybe this is the beat making brain, right? Because we're uh, deconstructing uh, samples and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like I found a lane as an editor. Like I like editing. I like tweaking. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't want to build everything from scratch. I just mm-hmm. want to get to the tweaking part. Yeah. You yep, know? Yep, yep. I'm in the same exact way. Yep. Yeah. And so maybe that's why Chat GPT works for people like us, where, mm-hmm. okay, give me that prompt, give me that thing, and we can tweak it to make it our own. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's the proper way to use AI. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to how you talk about it, like sampling and beat making, like, I look at it as kind of like it's spitting out the raw footage for me. And then yeah. like I'm kind of like piecing it together with the raw footage that it's generating and I'm just putting it together. Kind of like how generative AI is. And Justin mentioned this, like he uses generative AI as pieces that will add into his art. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same sort of vein. So I guess that's how it works for, I guess, people like us right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, we have to maybe not fear it, but we got to respect it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too. or else they're gonna eat us up, man. We they're have gonna to eat us up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. All, All right. right. I respect you guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be nice yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More rapid fire questions. What is the trajectory of art of storytelling? Where do you want to take this? I always wanted to run my own production company. I came up with the idea in 2016. Anyone that knew me back then will know I would always be talking about like oh, I'm gonna start a production company called Art of Storytelling. I've owned the domain since 2016, the the website domain. But my goal initially was to do as much client work, to just be that agency. What I want to do is eventually transfer to doing more in-house productions and just building out the brand a little bit more. This podcast is the first of that, you know, just building out content and, and really growing that community. And then eventually, like, doing cool events, maybe. I'm just throwing out ideas I've had, but like, what does a jam session full of video creatives look like? You know what I mean? Like, I want to do stuff like that. So still really brainstorming, but it's really in-house productions, still doing client work, but I want to be able to be very selective with the client work, but being able to offer stuff that's completely my own from my mind, things that that I want to say, I think is important for me to always have and then hopefully that turns into something that other people want to see and we can just like build the brand off of there and build a community and inspire each other and empower each other and do something collectively. You know what I mean? I think a lot of like what I left with D2S was that being a part of the culture and cultivating a community, you know? So I want to bring back a lot of that feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's definitely something that I've been thinking a lot recently too, is just building a community through content, right? Yeah. Especially because we live in a more digital life now. Like yeah, the yeah, only yeah. place we're able to engage is in the comment section. You yeah. know, as creatives, I think we do have to pivot and like retrain our thinking a little bit that we're not just putting something out, we're putting something out for people to gather around. We're lighting a fire for people to gather yeah. around. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the high level, that's where my head's at. I don't care how that happens. You know what I mean? So all I know is like, that's the end goal. And I want the next five years to look very different than the five years now, you know, whether it's like, I got a bigger house, you know what I mean? I'm driving a different car, whatever, man. Like I need to see growth every year. At least I need to attack growth every year. And that's always been my approach. Like I know where I want to go. As long as I'm constantly seeing growth, I'm good, man. Like, and then just enjoy that process, you know? Like, and I think that's where a lot of people get lost. Like you got to really embrace that process or else you're always going to feel like 
like, dang, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? But if you're in that direction and you have that higher vision, like as long as you're seeing growth, you're good, man. Some that's, kind of growth. That's a bar. Wrapping this up, I got a two-parter for you. Okay. One, what is your drop a gem? You know, something mm-hmm. that, you know, we haven't been covering on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But two, I'd really love to know some specific takeaways that you've had through your conversation with your homies. I'll start with the takeaways. So Tomas, I kind of gave him his gem because like it was really one that he gave me when I was like facing some rejection, but I was up for a job. I didn't get it. And I was like bummed and we had a conversation with him and he said rejection is redirection. And and that's just one that's always stuck with me. It's kind of obvious, but it kind of puts it in perspective and it makes you think like, okay, this is supposed to happen. Now let me sit down and think and figure this out. And whenever I've had to do that, and I always figured it out, you know what I mean? So rejection is redirection. It's one that I always communicate to other people. You know, there's a saying, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And sometimes you got to slow down in order to go together, right? Because you've got to build internal alignment. you got to get everybody on the same page. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. And so like you really have to invest in your team and invest in your weak spots and your pain points because those will eventually come back to hurt you. Yeah. They're going to get in the way. I'm sure I've heard that before, but like I'm just hearing it more and more now. And there was a few people that mentioned that. That's kind of where my mentality is right now. I used to be that I want to go fast. I'm going alone. I'm just going to get it done. Like, I don't want to teach anyone how to do this. Let me just do it myself. You know what I mean? Like, let me drive the ship. Let me do everything. I'll grind till the wheels fall off. I'm doing it. You know what I mean? But you're going to burn yourself out, you know, and you're going to be alone, man. (laughs) It's not fun. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to go far. I want to build this community. So like, that's another one that stuck with me. And then my gym would be, as a creative, recognize your power and your worth because a lot of our talents are exploited and taken advantage of and we're really building like the face for these companies these entities these people we're creating their face you know what i mean so know your worth know what you bring to the table and don't be afraid to demand what you're worth and hopefully like this podcast gives you some of those tangible numbers that you could put behind that worth. You know what I mean? Because creative is everything now and creative is becoming even more valuable nowadays and more people need content. Like creative is becoming that position that everyone needs even more so than sales. So yeah, creative is a position where you can do very well at a company or you can do very well independent. So become the best you could be and know what that's worth and don't accept anything less than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. All right, drop the mic. All right, drop the mic. (laughs) This concludes our end of the year recap. Really quick, I want to shout out the voicemail because I don't think we've gotten any yet. In the new year, that's something I want to push a lot. We got to make like an intro and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. I want someone to make one, but okay. So it is 646-926-926. 3885 hit us up with a voicemail the good ones will play on the show if you have any questions we will answer them and if we don't know the answer we will find the answer for you if it's a good question hit us up hit us up Um, (laughs) some bts on the phone number i spent like maybe the half an hour an hour like Mm -hmm. trying to get like a memorable number (laughs) but yo all the 
Google Voice numbers, they're kind of washed. So <laughs> I, had like, good. I had multiple tabs open. Like I even asked ChatGPT. Certainly back in ChatGPT because they present you with numbers and uh-huh. then you have to do the math. You mm-hmm. know, of like, does it spell something? Uh, okay. But nothing was coming up. And not I even just in page up, code. Not even in page code. So I was like, <laughs> let me hit that New York right area on. code and uh, figure well, it out. Well, this is why I'm calling to all my beat maker homies, all my scratch DJs, make a little routine saying those numbers. Make it entertaining. Make it something memorable. MC homies, like, let's do a little jingle, man. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's make this memorable. You can, yeah. you can do it. We yeah. got creative folk homies. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on this project. Like I tell you, every time we jump off the call, I feel like I'm the target demographic for right. this uh, podcast. So I uh, definitely yeah. appreciate being a uh, witness to the conversation. So, oh, man. Thank and you. Thank you for your expertise. Like, I appreciate a good editor. And like, I know like the conversations that I have, like sometimes it could get rambly and I recognize editing and how you do it. So I know the nuances, I see them and I really appreciate them. Like the way you chop up the segments, the way it all flows, it sounds great. So I appreciate your expertise. If you guys need someone to record your podcast, hit up John Reyes. Hey, hey. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. Go. Thanks, Peace. man. All right. Talk to you soon.